I'm Leah with the Natural Running Network, and today we're going to talk about diagnosing yourself as an athlete with overtraining and how to tell the difference between yourself being overtrained versus just overreaching in a natural training progression. Bam! Bam! Cool. So we're talking about <laughs> So um, l- let's just start out with the fact that there's never a time these days where I'm overreaching. I've been reaching like, you know, I'll have another one of those, you know, but I have not been overtraining. I've not been overworked. And, you know, the irony of it is, before we even get into the, the minutia of this, the irony of it is, is that the less conditioning I'm experiencing. So this is kind of cool for me because I'm learning what it what it does to you when you're not really getting a lot of exercise and you're getting older. You know, that's almost a study onto itself. I think I'm being like a guinea pig for future information, right? Scientist. Because it gets harder and harder and harder to get back on the horse when you start getting away from it. And then the outcome is, is that almost anything you do makes you really freaking sore. And so if I went out and um, spent 20 minutes lifting weights aggressively, because, you know, in my, in, in my, in my archive, in history of life, I've had those moments. So I know what it feels like to go through and do these workouts. They just haven't been happening enough lately. So, um, you know, I refer to it as your mind writing checks that your body can't cash, right? <laughs> right? I like that. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on. So, um, but in your case, in many uh, of the athletes that I work with, it's a different story because you you are more likely to push the pedal to the metal than you are to rein back. And the confidence of knowing that that time off that you're taking is actually beneficial to you is, is really the sticky wicket for a lot of athletes. It's they just don't know how to rest, right? And so you need some structure. You, you could do it a couple different ways, you know, almost cutting to the chase here. You could have someone like me tell you that, look, it's time for you to back off, take a day off, maybe two, um, or we negotiate over how much time you, you're actually going to take off. <laughs> because I find commonly what I'll have is people will say to me like, well, you know, you, you wrote for me to have a day off, but is it okay if I just go ride my bike or something? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you can do that. Um, but as you wiggle your watch, um, the, uh, the advantage of the technology that we are afforded these days provides us with some pretty cool stuff. A lot of information maybe that we're not even aware, aware of, right? So, for example, I'm wearing this Aura ring, which was uh, offered to me by Aura a bit ago. Um, and... Uh, for me, what's been interesting is it gives me reports. It lets me know uh, information about my my heart rate at rest. It lets me know, gives me a score on my sleeping, you know, wh- whether I'm into REM sleep for very long, whether I'm well rested, whether I'm actually doing the activity that I should be doing. And it kind of gives you this uh, accountability. And I think that that's kind of cool because now... Uh, aside from your own perception of your efforts and your perception of your recovery and rest, you have that outside intervention, right? So, um, for example, let's just kind of, you know, just for an example, 
Let's talk about your last week's workouts. How much work did you do? And give me perception of like how hard it was like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. And just, um, and you know, just for fun, let's give it a grade. So let's just say like, uh, if the workout was really hard, that would be like a 10. If the workout was really easy or short, maybe give you a lesser number. Uh, so let's kind of pan through it. Let's see if whether you okay. need a day off. So Monday was my rest day last week. Uh, Tuesday was hard, hard and long. And it felt good, but it was hard and long. So that would be like, you said 100%, you said 10's hardest? Like hard? Yeah. I, would, I would say that was like an eight or nine. I mean, that was... That was almost an hour effort of like what I would say is red and yellow heart rate. So like very high and then kind of like that high uh, lactic acid threshold kind of thing or lactate threshold, um, like just dipping between those the whole time. So like that was a hard day for me. Um, what were you doing? That was anger management. So it was uh, da, 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 da. it was five minute run on a 6% incline. And I did mess with the inclines throughout the workout a little bit. So it wasn't all 6%, but it was five minute run, two minute wall balls, two minute run, two minute dumbbell burpee thrusters, five minute run, two minute, I did rower, and then five minute run and do that for two rounds with no real breaks. It's like I had to run between the uh, treadmill and the workout stations, but so that brought my heart rate down a little bit, but it was pretty darn high, high heart rates, high effort for almost an hour. Cool. So that was a rough day, but it felt good. And so just, just for those that are interested in hearing this, um, you're preparing for a high rocks competition. So yeah. what you're preparing for is a high intensity fitness competition for about an hour. And there, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And those that don't know the, the intensity of those workouts is very, very high and unrelenting. So mm -hmm. if you hope to do well or win in one of those events, you got to get used to really, really throwing down hard. And there's not a lot of respite. You gotta, you gotta go. So, and incidentally, I was just watching. By the way, oh, am I gonna say this? I don't know if I want to say this. Say it. Um, say I was watching a DecaFit competition, which is basically um, a lesser version of High Rocks competition. Lesser version. Uh, I heard Deca, that. Re, Deca referring to ten events, <laughs> but they're basically half of all the events that were done in the high rocks competition and i i gotta be honest with you i didn't love it i was watching it on youtube <laughs> and i didn't love it i, never I mean the energy it. was crap yeah oh my god if you watch it you'll never want to do it and you you know, you'll can i you know, just knowing you if you got together with friends and they were doing that kind of workout you you'd have a lot of fun with it mm -hmm. uh and i think that that's kind of what they're trying to lend people to think is like in your gym, anybody, you and your friends can get together and do these workouts. It's pretty easy, to, you know, to get access to the things you need to do to do it, whatever. Yeah. Um, but comparing it to High Rocks, High Rocks, uh, you know, for those that don't know, a one kilometer run followed by a ski erg for a thousand meters. This is basically a concept two ski erg where you're actually skiing hard for a thousand meters followed by uh, a thousand meter run. Uh, followed by Sled Concept push? 2 Rower, I oh, believe right. it is, right? Yeah, for 1,000 meters. And then every exercise you do is followed by a run. So there's eight one-kilometer runs and eight 
disciplines that you have to chase. So there is uh, farmer carries, there's lunge walks, there's burpee broad jumps, there's sled pull push. And uh, what am I? Oh, and yeah. then. Yes, the order is so it's run, workout, run, workout. So it's ski erg, sled push, sled pull, burpee broad jumps, rowing, farmers carry, sandbag lunges, wall balls. There you go. Are the eight. Yeah, I, I don't always get the order right, but even in your workouts, the order is never exactly the same. You know, just trying to take on the intensities in various approaches and whatever. But at the end of the day, what I'm trying to depict here is that. In your case, you're preparing for a high-intensity activity. And in so doing, you're throwing down pretty hard a lot. And there's a good opportunity to get beat down, yeah. right? Because it's not like you, if you're running a marathon and you're training for that and early on, you know, a lot of low-intensity, long-duration stuff, you get tired but not really beat down. I mean, these workouts will beat you down. I know. And so <laughs> they have. <laughs> yeah. And so the point being is that so then trying to manage this. Now, the other thing that I don't know if you're aware of, but you're asking, so I will see if I can't. You know, I got two pairs of glasses. I think I like these better. Let's see. I like these better because they're not crooked. I mean, huh. They don't make me look stupid. Actually, make me look kind of smart. Smart. All right. So like check this out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up. It's going to be you, by the way. <gasps> Me. I'm going to pull up some information from Training Peaks about you. That's scary. So let's, yeah. yeah it's all right. That's all right. Let's Hold see. Up. Where are you? Getting better. I'm sure you will. That's the plan. I have faith in, I have faith in you. Aww. Okay, so. I have faith in your uh, faith let's in Let's just me. reflect on, reflecting on last week. Okay. So in Training Peaks, for your future edification, if you look at the right-hand side, there is uh, a lot of information about the week's affairs. Yeah. So there, you get a training stress score, okay? And then you also, uh, and I don't know why it's not showing up there. And is um, that like based on like your, your accumulated heart rate for each workout, like stuff like that? It's got to do with uh, time and intensity. Okay. So, so it probably uses like your heart rate that you actually expended on that workout then, I'm assuming. Well, it, it's, it's, it's collective. So it's looking at your average heart rate over the course of the week yeah, that's what I mean. multiplied by the time spent in the week. Okay. Um, is uh, okay. your training stress score. And they also have one that's related to running and related to cycling and whatever. But mm. just collectively, because there's a lot of gym workout in here, it's not giving you that. It's just giving you the, the training stress score. So so here's what I'm looking at. Like if I go back um, an earlier week, your training stress score was not but half that of last week. If I go back another week, let's just do this. So like if I go back a couple of weeks, your training stress score was 204. Then it came down to 170. And then it comes down or goes up to uh, 369. And uh, we're not even halfway through the week here. And we're already at 157. So uh, given what's going to happen in the next couple workouts, uh, knowing what I know about these workouts <laughs> is that you will end up with a much higher stress score. So from a coaching perspective, what I try to do is I manage the stress scores. I start looking at it and say, well, we've got this linear progression of stress and we're going to need to come back down again. Otherwise, we're going to be overreaching. Mm -hmm. And so 
I think this is probably a really good time for me to pitch this little thing that I I pulled up for you a minute ago. Bam. So if you look at this chart and you start from, I guess, depending on how it shows up on your screen, the left-hand side of the screen, it's showing um, the blue line represents the rest, how much rest you get. Okay. The green line represents what is the load required to see adaptations. So in other words, if you don't create stress, you're not going to see the adaptations you're looking for. You want to improve, right? Mm -hmm. And then the red is indicating uh, what would lead to maladaptation, meaning that you're overreaching, you're, you know, the intensity is too great, you're not getting enough recovery. And so you can see if you chase this blue line relative to the green line, there's this sweet spot where it's kind of a little foggy area where there's like this little green fog where that is uh, an appropriate amount of intensity and appropriate amount of recovery and it leads to greater improvements in your performance. So this is just essentially looking at how your body adapts. I guess the term used often is supercompensation. Okay. So you do work, you recover. While you recover, you improve and are capable of improving more work or producing more work. Mm -hmm. And so you might notice that like there's this little big dip right in the middle. The blue yeah. line's dipping pretty hard. Mm -hmm. And in the course of the progression of the green line and the blue line's kind of teetering just below that red line, this, those represent stress, okay? So this is like workouts. You got workouts that are not overreaching. They're not getting over top of that red line. And then you get this big recovery point, and then boom, you start noticing that green line starts to get further up. And then you're starting to get into this cool place where your workouts are greater and your adaptations are improving. So if you were to start broaching that red line, you start running the risk of being chronically fatigued or overtrained or even injured. And that could be, so that, so uh, that real quick, um, so the blue, uh, just so I'm understanding this correctly, so overreaching into that red territory could be accumulation of a few workouts, like just overdoing it, overdoing it, overdoing it to reach into that red, or it could be just going too hard on an individual workout kind of thing. And either one of those well, could... Let's just, let's just say, I, let me try to take it to a place people might relate to. Okay. A, a typical CrossFit workout, you know, so somebody writes this wad, this workout of the day, and, you know, they're having fun with this entertaining, let's see if they can do this, right? And so somebody goes in there and they're working their ass off to try to achieve that particular workout. Yeah. And it's way, they're way overreaching with it. They're mm -hmm. lifting heavier. They're trying to carry that weight for a greater length of time, like, uh, when you're doing like as many reps as possible for a timeline and you're just really pounding yourself into the ground. If you forced yourself to go back to do exercise the following day, unrecovered, you're probably going to be stepping over that red line pretty hard between those two workouts. And then the amount of recovery you require in order to see some return on that investment is going to be greater. Does that make any sense? It does. So I'm kind and of I think getting this that. Is so very, like, this, go for it. No, I was going to say, so this is pretty typical of what happens with a lot of these athletes is that they're so caught up in the moment and, and the, the bravado of trying to do more work than their friends 
that they're not really taking into account what the adaptation process looks like mm-hmm. and whether they they shouldn't be always, you know, pounding themselves into the ground because that never bodes well. Mm-hmm. That never ends up being progressive or beneficial. And it actually would add some, what happens with a lot of athletes, and you see this often, is that they work, 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 work until finally they get to a point where beyond being just overtrained, they're injured. Mm-hmm. And they start out with low-grade injuries and they want to work through those low-grade injuries. And then they something just goes south, something goes bad. Uh, I would think that there's there's a potential in, in some of these CrossFit workouts to have people actually uh, suffer from renal failure. They're just basically mm-hmm. killing themselves. And, and so having a way to govern the work, having a way to better understand what the outcome is going to be outside your own perception is probably a valuable tool. And again, I'm, I play with the idea. I'm, I'm more kind of entertained by what this information provides me. But for someone like you, having this feedback is, is good because even though you're being coached, you know, you have someone that's kind of looking out for you. Um, I'm not in your skin. I don't feel what you're feeling. I'm, I'm getting some feedback. I'm seeing what you're doing, but I don't know how well it's received all the time. So it could be that you, know, you have more, more uh, bullets in your gun than I give you credit for. And that's also part of a learning process as a coach, you know, to trying to figure out what is too much or too little. But um, we talk about heart rate variability. You know, that seems to be a big deal. And I have to tell you, if you look back in my podcast, you'll find me talk about heart rate variability and I poo-poo it. I, I was like, you know what? It's just, eh, it's just a metric that just doesn't, just doesn't mean that much to me because I see people that are trying to control their heart rate variability and that's just that's just like a lot of work. Could you explain you know? it real quick? Wait- I know I've listened to books and podcasts on it before, but it's been a while, so I honestly forget exactly what heart rate variability is. Well, so is. Ver- variability is exactly what it sounds like. There's yeah. alterations in your heart rate, mm-hmm. even at rest, and that's good. When you're when you're when your heart rate can move around at rest, that that's pretty healthy. But when you're you're kind of steady state, and there's just not much variation in your heart rate. That is kind of a sign that things aren't going as well as they could be. Huh, okay. Um, so, you know, just since you asked, I'm going to see if I can pull up mine. I listened um, to uh, multiple Ben Greenfield podcasts about heart rate variability back in the day. Yeah, I know. he <laughs> got that thing in his nose. And, I mean, come on. It's been a while, though. Uh, hey, one thing, though, yeah, I have well, noticed speaking of heart rate, though, my resting heart rate has gone way down. I'm in like the 40s now. I used to be in the 60s. Yeah, so if you could see this, there we go. This is my heart rate variability, average heart rate variability. And it's saying that max would be like 100 milliseconds, I guess it is. Okay. Um, and then it's, uh, by the way, it says, why the gaps? And the gaps are uh, gaps in your resting heart rate. Heart rate variability, uh, interference with the pulse monitoring. So my ring's too loose or LED sensor dirty. So it has nothing to do with me, which is good to know. It's not like your heart's um, just stopping. But it's a pretty, pretty handy little device because it also is teaching you. And by the way, would you say your heart rate was low? Now it's my resting's in the 40s now. It's like 47, yeah. 48. So it's saying that my lowest heart rate was 54. 
and averaging 62, which is high. It's high. Mine was always in the 60s. Mine was always like, yeah, 64, 61, kind of around there. And then this like eight months ago, it started getting to the 50s. And then like uh, like a few months ago, it started like low 50s kind of thing. And then just in the last like two months, it's gone down into the 40s. Yeah. So what's considered normal is below 70. Okay. So if you're below 70 resting, you're okay. If you're sitting around at 75, 80, yeah, that's cause for concern. Okay. There could be something going on. So I talked about the sleep. And so this kind of sucks. It's like, I don't mean the app, I mean me. So if you look at this, let me see if I mm -hmm. make it. You could see that it's saying that my total sleep was like five and five and a half hours, basically. And then it shows that you probably can't see that. Uh, REM sleep, light sleep, it's color coded. And then deep sleep. So if you see the, the darker colored, it says yeah. deep. There's only like a couple moments where I was really deep sleeping. Yeah. And the white is showing that me being awake. It's huh. a lot of awakeness. Right? So are you a light sleeper? Well, no, this is me getting up to pee or uh, something okay. like that. And or just rolling over or something. I, I don't mm -hmm. know. But what I try to do. Oh, cool. So let me see. Yeah, it's saying that I was awake for three hours and 47 minutes. My REM sleep was one hour and two minutes. My light sleep was three hours and 51 minutes. And deep was 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. So 12% deep sleep, 19% REM sleep, 69% light sleep. So And so this is something I would not have, have been able to figure out, right? And so what you start to relate to is that if you're not getting the rest you need, it can point to poor performance. Mm -hmm. And so minus this information, I may very easily have just like, wow, man, I just sucked today. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't perform. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't connect the dots nearly as well as having that bit of information. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I, I don't want to sound like a commercial for Aura, but I just thought it was a pretty cool device. Yeah. And it also allows you, for example, I'm going to go get some exercise. And it will say, you know, it identifies that there was a workout and then you could indicate what kind of a workout it was and it gives you credit for it. And, you know, I, I don't even know whether there's a way to collect all this information to look at down the road. I'm sure there Probably. is, but this is basically what you're talking yeah. about is, you know, trying to manage this, this volume of work, the intensity of the work, making sure you're not overreaching making sure you're not overtrained and certainly yeah. not getting injured. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just along those lines for normal people or like anyone who doesn't have an aura ring, like I've tried that with the Garmin's and Fitbit's to track the sleep because they do the same thing, but they don't check as many factors and all that. Um, Fitbit, I feel like had a little better sleep tracking. So like you, it would show more variation and stuff. As soon as I switched to Garmin, like I would literally wake up in the middle of the night, move around, do some stuff go back to sleep and in the morning I look at the Garmin thing and it's like oh you slept great the whole night you never moved or anything I'm like okay yeah. whatever so I just stopped looking at it because it was useless well you know it, it, it really is a function of the software yeah. and, and the engineers that, that, that create yeah. it so um, these people are more interested in the non-activity yeah. levels and Garmin is more interested in the activity levels so this isn't going to give me a readout of what my heart rate is during a workout mm -hmm. Which would be kind of cool, actually, if it yeah. did. If it just transmitted my heart rate to my watch, so I could look at my watch and say, "Oh, like look the at heart that. rate strap does." But yeah. it doesn't do. 
Yeah, it doesn't do that. The chest strap. Uh, and then, of course, the reliability of it, too, because it's got an optical sensor that gives oh, you yeah, information. Finger, much like your, your, your Garmin chest. watch does. Yeah. Much like my, my, yeah. uh, my dingy gun does. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what's really funny, too, is that I have this turned off. So, you know, the little green diodes underneath that they oh, light up when they're off? trying to get information. I don't know you can turn it off. Yeah, huh. there's, you could, yeah, so I want it to go directly to my chest yeah. strap because the, otherwise uh, the battery life is being compromised, yeah. right? And I'll set it on my desk, like before I go to bed or something, and I can see the little green light is on mm -hmm. while it's sitting on my desk. So, you know, that's just killing the battery, Good right? Good point, yeah. And, and so and maybe it's getting a, a read back from the desk, and the desk is much more rested than yeah. I am. But I don't get that's to know your that. deep sleep, you know, if you set it on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Well, cool. Well, I like the stuff about the um, the sleeping. I think that was one of the big things I wanted to talk about today. Because one thing, because I basically, when we talked on Tuesday about my training week, we were talking about how I felt just kind of worn out, you know, and I felt like, you know, I feel like I've done a lot of hard workouts. I feel like I just am having a hard time keeping up the intensity and I feel like I'm getting worse at things or whatever. Like I can't perform as much as I, I know I should, you know, and that's what we were talking about on Tuesday. And you recommended three things to me. You said, make sure, cause you know, obviously I'm busy. I'm have uh, working on my house after work and all that. So that's obviously part of it, but I can't change that. So what you, the three things you recommended to me were one, make sure you're sleeping enough Two, make sure you're drinking enough water, not alcohol. Three, Make sure you're eating enough food and the right types of food to fuel your training. So those are the three things that I've been paying attention to, to try to like, cause I want to be able to achieve these bigger workouts, but when I just feel exhausted all the time and I can't even like finish them, I'm like, what the heck? So that's why since Tuesday, I've started tracking those three things to make sure I'm adequately recovered, I guess, for the workouts. And are there any other things that you would recommend for people who are afraid of overtraining and not recovering properly? Do you have any other big things that you would tell them to focus on? Well, yeah. So um, I think that you kind of brushed up against it, but just to kind of elaborate on it is that your nutrition is really important. So I get people that chase these fad diets mm -hmm. and they're, they're doing some screwy things with their nutrition. And they, you've seen this unfold at my place where we're doing resting metabolic assessments on these athletes. And it's funny, the cause and effect relationship between the way they're eating and what the, the diagnostic come back yeah. at. So, for example, I'm somebody that's trying to chase this fat adapted kind of mentality. And so they're cutting their carbs out. And when you're an endurance athlete, that's a carb-centric activity, meaning that your body is really looking for those carbohydrates. And if they're not going to get them because you're not providing them, then your your body is on overtime to try to manufacture the, the glucose and the glycogen it requires to perform the work. And it does this through what's called gluconeogenesis. Essentially what it does, it starts to munch up lean muscle and convert that to a usable energy source, which will ultimately end up being glucose and glycogen. And so this is insidious because it starts to scavenge over the course of time. And it's not like just because you didn't have carbs last night, you, you felt terrible the next day. It's not gonna be one of those sensations. It's gonna be working at you over time. And so you'll start to notice that you're sore more often. You start to notice that you're more injury prone. Mm -hmm. 
you start to notice that you're not recovering nearly as well as you used to. And you start thinking, well, my performance is suffering. So the trigger for that mentality is to do more work. So you start throwing more work at a body that's under duress and you start to develop a problem for yourself there. And I've pointed this out to people time and again. And I've, you know, I've been doing resting tests on athletes for so long. Suffice to say, a few decades I've been doing this. And so for me, because I'm an evidence-based guy, I'll ask a question. For example, maybe I've never met you before. You come in and I say, so, you know, we just tested you. I don't tell you anything about what I see from the test, but I'll ask you. A little quiz time. What, what's your diet like? What do you, how often do you eat? What kind of foods do you eat? What do you avoid? And just get a sense of that, right? And then see the outcome from the report. And then over and over and over and over and over again, having done this so many times, let's just say, for example, I give you a recommendation and I show you how you might take on calories, how many carbs you should get relative to protein and fat and what the frequency should be in your meal plans, how much time between meals, all this information. And then we get a chance to test you again and see big improvements in your metabolism. And not only just better improvements in your metabolism, you start to drop body fat. You start to have more quality workouts. Uh, you don't have the same level of soreness or fatigue that you had in the past. And so this, again, is a very insidious trigger. You might think, and you know what I hear a lot from people these days is, oh, well, I eat healthy. And so what they're telling me is they don't go to McDonald's for dinner, right? So they assume that they're staying away from saturated fats, fried foods. They don't make those kind of blatant mistakes, right? They're eating more wholesome foods and whatever, but it doesn't matter. The, the irony of it is it almost doesn't matter because almost any carbohydrate you consume, whether it be real simple carbohydrate or complex carbohydrate, it results into the same outcome. Yeah, because like the well, it's going. It's to, funny because like you say McDonald's like that. Like I, I'm just imagining. Okay, I get done with a hard workout or whatever, a busy day. I would rather go have a McDonald's burger and fries than have a salad. Like I would feel better the next day, feel better for my training. Because like you think a healthy meal. Okay, a salad with maybe a little bit of chicken. Where's the carbs in that? First off, like how am I refueling after that training? And then okay, I go to McDonald's or for me it would be In and Out because I think In and Out is healthy. McDonald's, maybe not, but in and out, I get a burger. Okay. There's carbs in the bun. There's, there's protein and fats in the patty. There's some vegetables and different things, different salts and things in it. So I'll get mustard and then, okay, maybe I'll have some fries. I usually would try to avoid that, but let's say I had some fries, some more carbs. Yeah. It has the fries in it and I wouldn't do that very often, but still I'm getting those carbs in there. So honestly, I would feel like I'm refueling a lot better from that than like a healthy Meal. Well, you know, and then so you run into uh, somebody that's like a nutrition geek, you know, they're like they've been they've been drinking the Kool-Aid about the value of healthy foods and whatever. And I'm not going to suggest that that's not the way to approach your, your nutrition, meaning that having whole vegetables and better sources of protein and, and so on and so forth. Of course, yeah, that's probably premium. But at the end of the day, the meat sources or protein that you consume is still protein consumed and the carbohydrate you consume like if you could have a snickers bar and if you've not eaten a snickers bar in six months it may give you a headache because the simple sugar just slams on you right mm -hmm. but it, when it's all said and done when it's metabolized it's going to end up 
as a sugar source for your muscles. And I think I feel like a lot <laughs> of know? that has to do with like your own body too. Cause like, obviously some people can process a big glass of chocolate milk after a workout. Some people can't. So it's like, yeah, it might not be ideal, but for some people it is ideal. Can I tell you something? Chocolate milk is ideal after a workout. I know, I might have heard that, but for some people it wouldn't be because they're like lactose intolerant or have really sensitive Well, guts. they might be lactose intolerant <laughs> or something like that and it might not work for them, but... Um, I, I can tell you that it's been scientifically proven that a, a glass of chocolate yeah. milk is probably the best recovery drink. <laughs> I remember reading that on like a protein. It's like you would basically yeah. have like this protein yeah. shake or you could just have a glass of chocolate milk and you don't have to yeah. pay for it. And it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing, you know, people are all into supplementation and they're spending a buttload of money on recovery products and, and aminos and things like this. And most of these packets, you know, they love put these like seven or eight pills in a little plastic packet. This is your daily requirement, you know. <laughs> you wake up in the morning, eat all these pills, you piss 80% of it out, and there might be a couple things that was giving you a little bit of value. But at the end of the day, from a standpoint of like aminos or whatever, you could drink a half a glass of milk, and it's probably more beneficial to <laughs> you than all those uh, manufactured products that are supposed to provide you with your building blocks. So it's kind of getting off yeah. point a little bit, but at the end of the day, I really recommend to people avoiding fad diets. Don't eliminate the types of things that your body requires for any given time. You know, it's, I have the same problem with intermittent fasting. Mm. That's the new thing these days. Everybody's trying to do these intermittent fasts. That did fasts. not work for me. I tried just, it. I tried it. And I would, every night, I would be like starving. Like I would need so much yeah, food. It's just not good. It's just not good. Uh, I'll tell you something. This has been, you know, I'm dating myself, but I'll bet you it's been over 22, 23 years ago. I was listening to a lecture from a guy by the name of Dr. Tom Fahey. And at the time, he was, uh, he's an exercise physiologist, exercise scientist. And he was contracted by um, the company that makes Gatorade, whatever. I forgot Gatorade? who owns that company now. But no, it's, <laughs> but it's owned by a bigger company. Okay. But anyway, he said something that stuck with me, and I've shared it with people for years. I'm going to share it with you now. Ooh. He goes, try to imagine that the three of us, me, you, and your husband, are going to have a barbecue. Okay? And I'm supposed to bring the meat. You're going to bring the matches. And your husband's bringing the charcoal. Right. So if any one of three of us don't show up, nobody's eating. Mm -hmm. Right. And so think of that as fat, carbohydrate and protein. Right. If one of us doesn't throw throw down, if we one of us doesn't show up for the for the barbecue, we're not going to have successful metabolism. Mm. So every meal that you consume is better met. And I could almost go further and just say in the course of the day. Your requirement for those substrates needs to be in, in, in check every day in order to really have successful metabolism. Mm. And when you start messing around with things, the, the eco-structure of your metabolism, so to speak, you start putting yourself in jeopardy. You put yourself at, at risk of having lackluster performances, potentially not sleeping nearly as well, stress levels get a little higher, and you're just kind of throwing things off. And you might even be rewarded on the short term. And this happens a lot with fad diets is like when you eliminate one of those three substrates, it usually ends up being weight loss. And so weight loss generally is, is received as beneficial. So let's just say that you decided that you want to be a runway model and you want to be, you know, 130 pounds at five, what are you, five, eight, five, nine, five, nine. 
Yeah, so, 30 pounds you know, off. you get down to about 122 pounds. <laughs> you get down to about a 122 pounds. You're not going to be a healthier Just Leah. chop off a few limbs. You're going to be... You're just going to be very, very, very unhappy. You're not going to sleep. It's not going to be a wonderful thing at all in the short term. And then you're going to have a realization that this isn't working out. And then you're going to get back to eating normally. And eventually you'll recover. And I'm getting a little funny when I spill this out. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, this is what's going on all the time. People are experimenting with ridiculous diets that are having an impact. And the impact could be in the short term, seemingly beneficial, but in the long term, not nearly as beneficial had you had a more consistent approach to feeding yourself, consistent approach to sleep, consistent approach to the, the workloads that you're taking on from a training perspective and the recovery you need. Just normalize, just kind of get normal. And you start to notice that you consecutively start to improve in your performances. You consecutively get more rest. You consecutively balance your, your body weight, your body composition, and so on and so forth. So I guess we'll call that the organic approach to improving oneself and keeping oneself in check. Okay. Because we, we do get, we need these little toys these days because right. we're doing stupid stuff, right? We're doing stupid stuff. And I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take it a step further. And I'm probably going to offend somebody, but I'm not going to use their name, so they're not going to know. Unless it really sounds like, like it sounds like there's something they showed me and, and now I'm, I'm talking about it. Uh, I'm doing a program right now that um, is basically a running program. And the people that are doing gait analysis, they're sending me gait work. I'm getting too close to the bone here, but they're sending me video of what they look like when they're running. And so appreciate this is someone I may not know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, to other than, hello, I just saw their video. Now I know who, what they look like. And seeing them move. And the corruption in the way they move and uh, being, let's just say, unhealthy from a standpoint of weight. Is that a cool way of saying it? That works. Um, and then later finding out what their plan is in the near future, competition-wise. Mm -hmm. You know, getting way, way in over their head with the kind of work they're going to do mm -hmm. or going to attempt to do because it's cool. Because in conversation with friends, they could say, yeah, I did this, whatever, you know. I'm trying not to say what it was because <laughs> I don't want to give up too much information. But let me just say that they were like yeah. way in over their head. Well, honestly, it's the exact uh, with, same thing I did a couple years ago. I decided yeah. to do an ultra. I had not been running long distances. I am 160 pounds plus back then or whatever. Not, not that I'm fat. I'm just saying like that's a lot of weight to haul through a 30 plus mile race that I didn't train for for eight and a half hours. And it was horrible. The whole 90% of the race from like neck down was just pain. Everything hurt. My knees hurt. My back hurt. My joints hurt. Everything hurt. It was one of the stupidest things I'd done. I was totally over my head. I, it was so stupid. Yeah. So you, you need somebody to rein you in, be prudent. Let me just take it one more step further, okay? I have a client I just took on. I'm just I'm coaching somebody new. They're not new to me. I know them. And I, you know, they've been here to see me and I've worked with them and very ambitious. And this weekend is Big Bear. So Spartan Big Bear trifecta, right? There's a beast event, there's a super event, and there's a sprint. And this person signed up for all three. Now, in conversation, I wouldn't probably have given it much, you know, grief. 
but now I'm hired, right? Now, now I'm on the books as the coach. And I said, well, let's start with this. You're not doing the super. You're not doing the sprint. And I'm really nervous about you even doing the beast. <laughs> and we don't have a lot of time. And I'm looking back at your history and what you've been doing, preparing for something like this. And you're way, way in over your head. Mm. And it's unfortunate, but damage control is we're just going to focus on the one event, do the very best we can. And then when this is done, we're going to learn from it. And we're going to move forward. and We're going to do the right things. But so this is kind of like the aura ring, right? I'm like the aura, <laughs> aura you know, coach. big mouth. <laughs> the, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm the aura over your shoulder that says, you know what, dude? You, you're not going to do well. That'll with be your this. next book, The and Running some... Conscience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just you know, it's just uh, sometimes you you need somebody to provide you with uh, a reality check. I have clients that I've worked with over the years that do long stuff. They go in, maybe do a 24-hour event. It could be an event where whoever gets the most distance in wins in a 24-hour event with multiple obstacles in the course of it. And I will try my damnedest to get them into really, really high training volume weeks. Mm -hmm. And I have one client in particular, again, I'm not going to throw names around, but big guy. He's a big guy, bigger than me. He's, uh, I mean, fitter than me, younger than me, but big guy. I think he rolled around at about uh, 230 pounds at the time of the conversation. I got him up to 100 mile weeks. Yeah, and uh, you know, 230 pounds running 100 miles in a week is a lot. Yeah. Of oh, but guess gosh. what? Guess what? Lost a bunch it's of like, weight, probably. <laughs> well, he got down to right at about 200 even, but that's still a lot of weight to throw around for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And uh, what uh, you know, what transpired is he he did pretty well. Nice. Appreciate that if he didn't do as well as he hoped, and what he hoped was 70 miles. Mm -hmm in 24 hours. That seems a whole lot more daunting than 100 miles over the course of seven days, yeah. right? So you're going to try to prepare yourself to run for for 24 hours and try to get up in that 60, 70 miles. Your body's got to be adapted to that process. Yeah. And it's not going to happen in a 20-mile week. And I see people try to take something like that on, having only broached maybe 20 miles in a week is a maximum amount of volume in, in a particular training week. For me to be involved in that, I feel like I'm irresponsible mm -hmm. because it's just da it's dangerous. It's damaging. It's just maybe at the end of the day, they give you the buckle and the buckle doesn't say, boy, you sucked. <laughs> you you should not have done That's this. That's what mine should have said. <laughs> they should have put that on mine. <laughs> all, all it says is, that, hey, good for you. You know, look at me. You've got the same buckle that the guy that did the 100 miles, right. you know, same freaking buckle, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the winner's got a little different color or something. I don't know. But at the end of the day, it says ultra. And, it you know, you got that badge of honor that you were, you were hunting down. And, I mean, someone may find me uh, a little harsh in, in my... Uh, observation but I, I just I, I tell people all the time I don't like to train suffering I train for success mm. you know whatever that might look like if you're trying to run a marathon I want you to be able to complete that marathon first and I want you to be able to do it with your head up yeah. you know 
not you scampered across the line crawling and rolling and it took you i think that's a really know. interesting way to put it though too is like you train for a result not for yeah that like again kind of that badge of honor of like oh but i worked so hard you know like oh but i did my ultra and it was so hard but i still completed it you know that's kind of how i felt was like yeah it was terrible but like i still did it and like yeah it's cool yeah. but like where's the result in that like where's the actual achievement you know of course anyone can go slog around for 10 hours or whatever or eight and a half in my case but like if you're training to be an athlete like for me i want to win you know, I don't want to go out and yeah. be in pain for an hour and be like, oh, yeah, look, I completed it. Like, OK, I'm, I'm past that. You know, I ran Spartans for a couple of years and it was cool to have that like medal after each thing. But like it, it only takes you so far. And like I want to be an athlete. I want to be the top. I want to win. I want to get the first place. I want the result, you know. And it's like I think there is really the difference. Yeah. <laughs> so I've criticized the circumstance often and. You know, I don't do it with any offense. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to judge anybody. But me coming away from the sports I was involved in before there was such things as OCR, you know, doing triathlons and marathons and things like this, we trained for those circumstances. I mean, you know, when I say we, I'm just saying I don't know anybody that was just going to do it just to crawl across the line. Yeah. You know, they prepared for these things. And if you've ever run a marathon, if you ever do run a marathon and you're rolling along, let's say you're at about 10 mile mark and you start walking, someone will ask you if you're OK. Yeah. Because they don't understand the concept of you're walking. Why are you? You should be running. You must be so hurt. So that's just like an OCR right? thing where, then where people just like. I don't know. It, well, OCR is very non-judgmental. Yeah. It is it's, awesome. it, and that's why the, there's such a huge participation yeah. is because everybody's going to do it because nobody's going to look at you like you're a loser because yeah. you didn't you didn't throw it out. And there, certainly there's value yeah. in that. I mean, I, I, love I, that I, about I get it. it. I mean, yeah. no, I, I know. I know. By the way, uh, Tough Mudder was even more non-judgmental because they didn't time it. Yeah, true. It's like, I mean, there's a timeline, but at, at the end of the day, they, they don't show you as a winner, loser, whatever. You just did it or you didn't do it, right? And, you know, there was no money. And, you know, they just, the competition level was very, very yeah. muted. Well, it's like, it's an event. Like it's Spartan. an event, not a race, you know? Right. And I think that's. Spartan was m much more racing than yeah. was. And Tough I think Mudder. that's what, like, again, like, something I respect so much about athletes, like, watching athletes like Hunter or VJ, like they're not going out there and just like, I mean, we've all watched them for years now. They were never going to a race and being like, oh, well, I'm not going to do well, but I'm just going to kind of go out there and give it my best. You know, they're going out to win. I mean, you see Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. He'll keep his head up if he doesn't win and all that. But like his whole goal all year is to go out there and crush everyone else and win no matter what. And he trains for that first place medal, not to go work hard for a 3k or 5k whatever and same with and, DJ. and can i tell you something he's not going to show up unless he's pretty confident that he's yeah, going to win what's the point you know like and, and and i can tell you as you know i've consulted both of them coached both of them over the years and i would tell them don't do mm -hmm. it you're not ready or don't do this don't do that maybe do this instead based on what their level of fitness and and uh what their training look yeah. like you know rather than just to dash all concern and just 
throw it out. And there. I think part of it's and, like and, looking and, at them. I'm like, oh, people, I don't know, being outside of it, it can be like, oh, well, VJ never does the long distance stuff. He just like keeps it simple, you know, and like goes to the races. He knows he can win. I'm like, okay, yeah, because he's an athlete going for a first place medal. You know, he's not out there just to have fun and run these races. He knows he's not training for. Well, and but can I tell you something? Uh, I coached him for three years, mm. and a lot of that was my influence. Yeah. You know, I long time ago told him, look, I don't want you going out and just doing these races. Yeah. We're doing the races that we're going to prepare for. We're going to go into your wheelhouse where you're where you're strong and we're going to build on that and we're going to build your reputation around. And that. look what's happened. And that's ex- <laughs> World champion. And that's exactly what that's exactly what transpired. That's awesome. Now, I think that there's going to come a time as he matures where he's going to do much better at the longer stuff. Mm-hmm. Be more well-rounded, I, I expect. But it hasn't been up to date. I, th- I think that the longer the race goes, the more compromised he's going to be in the race. And uh, we'll see what he does. I think he's doing the super this weekend. Oh, cool. I know he is doing the super nice. Big Bear. And, and uh, we'll see. So Go he's VJ. got some other projects on, on the horizon that I can't talk about Ooh. that I'm not real excited about. I think I might have but, an idea uh, of what that is then. Yeah, well, we're not going to talk about it right now. <laughs> All right, well, so we've kicked this can down the road pretty hard. Yep. And before we go, it would be, what you got? Pokemon. Pokemon. I got a book, too. Hey. Look at my book. <laughs> there you go. You know? So is our different intelligence. Can size. I tell you something? Talking about being judgmental. I put this book in my, this is bathroom reading for me. So, you know, when I'm, you know, squatting on the toilet, I pull this book out. And I just dig in and I start reading little bits of it to remind myself what I had to say. And I've had occasion where I've done this with other things that I wasn't that excited about, but I think that this this turned out pretty well. And someone that were to read this and embrace the concepts that are in this book are gonna be really surprised at how much it changes them. Uh, As an athlete, the way they approach their training and basically approach their lives. It, I think it's got that much impact. So, yeah. you know, I don't have a big marketing company to help me promote my work. So I guess I got to do it. Yeah. Boom. Bam. Boom, bam. All right, Leah. All right. It's been wonderful. A pleasure. I will. As uh, always. So those that are even listening to this or seeing this, two formats. Mm-hmm. If you have some thoughts about what you'd like us to talk about, share that with yeah. us. You can find me on Instagram at at D-I-A-Z-H-P or Leah at Princess Leah. Underscore 23, I think is what it is. Underscore 23. Yeah, yeah send us like recommendations because we don't like to just sit up here and talk if we don't have anything really to say. So if there's something you want to hear about, let us know. We would love to talk about it. We just aren't necessarily going to come up here if we don't feel like what we want well, to talk you know about. What's, what's really interesting about this conversation we just had all over the map, you know, <laughs> Uh, we started out with a with a with a concept that we were going to chase down, and we got off of that in about five minutes. Yeah, it didn't last long. And then we just started rambling. But I think that there's pearls of wisdom that were shared here, and or thought provoking conversation that might help people take a different perspective to their training. So it's all been good. So uh, yay for yay us! Yay for us! Yay for you out there, you people! Yay for you! All right, look, let's run. Right. Talk to you later. Thank you, Leo. Bye bye.